All right, so everyone is doing well for the most part? We all got our stuff, right? Well, um, today's a big day. I'm excited for today. Uh, There are two things um, happening today for me personally. One that's never have before. The other rarely by choice. And so it's not going to mean anything to you really, but it does to me. One, I'm wearing a tie today by choice. Okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some people are like, oh, right? Normally, I, the only time I ever wear one is if I, someone's making me. Okay? But you know, have you ever been to, uh, you ever have a moment in your life where you're craving something that you usually hate? Has anyone ever had that? Yeah? Some people just know they don't want to raise their hands. Yeah, for me, now if you like this place, I apologize. Okay? Forgive me. All right? But for me, it's Taco Bell. Ugh. Right? Because I grew up in Southern California, so I like authentic Mexican food. And so, you know, you don't eat Taco Bell. And when I had friends, no, no, not in Southern California, no. And so, but there's, there's times, like once every five years, I'm like, I, I, need, I need a soft taco supreme, like right now, right? And it's just like, you kind of crave it and you feel ashamed for craving it, whatever it is, right? And today I just felt, it's a tie day. I need to wear one right now. So, and it's kept the cold air from going down my shirt. So that's good. <laughs> Secondly, I have never done this in my entire life in ministry, ever. So this is, you're going to witness, for the first time, I'm going to preach while using PowerPoint. Okay, yeah, so be like, yay! A young man getting with the times. So I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying, it's going to be archaic in comparison to what you're used to seeing from Tom and Mark. I watch Tom and Mark and they're wizards with this stuff. And I'm going, I can't do that. I don't have the capacity to do that. So, um, just giving you a heads up. So this should be fun. It was, it was fun last service. So, last week, those of you who are here, what is the one word you walked away with? What? Say it again. One more time. With. I like it. How many of you, um, during the week, have been hearing that word over and over, seeing it? Anybody? Yeah, raise my eyes so I can see. Yeah, oh my gosh, I can't get away from it. Now remember, I was shaken out of, out of my sleep with the Lord saying, with, be with me, with, 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 and it was like that, with, 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 with. And so I woke up in a frantic piss, with, 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 with. And I see it everywhere, billboards, magazines, TV, and all throughout Scripture, everywhere, with, with, with. And so when that happens, God is usually saying, pay, att- pay attention to this. I want you to see this. And so last week we talked about what it meant um, in the passage of Matthew where Jesus says, I only do what I see what? The Father doing. I only do what I see the Father doing. And we're called to do likewise. We only want to do what we see Jesus doing, right? But you cannot do that. Could Jesus do that without being with God? No, right? If, 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 if we want to do what we see God doing, we have to be with him so that we can see him doing it. Pretty simple, Yeah. But oftentimes we live this life where, especially as Christians, we just we do a lot of living for God. And that's not all a bad thing. But who's ever said that? I'm going to live for God. 
This is going to be for God. What I do here is going to be for God. Anybody? Man, I live most of my life that way. And so when I heard this word with, and I looked through scripture, and you see from beginning to end, from the garden to revelation, that God is saying constantly, I want to be with you and you with me. When we're in glory together, it will be with me, he says. I will be with you. John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with him. The Trinity, the three in one, always in communion with one another for all time. So do you think the word with is pretty important? Yeah. And we talked last week that are four basic postures that we take. Four basic postures. The first one is life over God. I mean, I, I remember when I was younger, I had this image of God. Well, he's so busy He's not going to pay attention to this, so I'll do it myself. Has anyone ever had that approach at one time in your life? Yeah, maybe even more. That's life over God. We're taking control. We're saying, God, I don't need you in this moment. I'm not going to bother you in this moment. Secondly is the, the under God, this cause and effect. Like if something bad's happening in my life, God, why are you doing this? I've been trying to live according to your word, live a righteous life. But bad things are happening to me. That's life under God. And then there's this life from him. God, I want this. God, would you please give me that? Would you please send me this? Lord, I need this. And those are good. Lord says, make your requests and your prayers known to me of all kinds. That's a good thing. But that approach, that posture is saying this. I care more about what I can get from you rather than being with you. I care more about what you can give me rather than the relationship. Has anyone ever had experience with that? I mean, there was a season in my life I was expecting God to give me everything without me spending time with him. And then the most common one, especially for Christians, is living for him. Now that's not a bad thing. I want to live, I want my life to be for him. I want to give it to him. Everything I do, I want to be for him. But if you keep doing things for him, and you're not with him, then you're missing it. Right? You're missing it. You know, I'm a big movie junkie, and so I love the ones like Braveheart and the new Robin Hood and Gladiator and all this, and they go, all hail king, whoever, right? We're doing this in the name of the king, but none of them really know the king or have been with the king. And so a lot of times what we do is we say, I'm going to do this for our king, our Lord and Savior, but I don't know him. I know what he does. I know what he has done. I know a lot of things about him. But I haven't been with him to know him. And so we live our lives for God. But he says he wants to be with us. We talked last week in the garden before he was handed over to be crucified. All he wanted was his closest buddies to be with him, to watch with him, to pray with him. That was, that was his wish. That was his desire in that moment, in the moment where he's going to have to experience complete separation from God so you and I don't ever have to. And he, this, is never, this is something he's never experienced, right? Because he's always been in communion with the Father. All he wants is to be with the people he loves and cares about. So with is important. So today, what we're going to discuss is where is God leading us 
as a church, and there are four key places that we are going to pour our laser focus into, that we are going to pour our energies into. But we have to understand that if we don't do it from a posture of being with him, who cares? Because you can throw out initiatives all day, but if you do it without them, who cares? Right? It's just more stuff we're doing. It's more busyness. It's more tasks to make us feel better. And I feel like we have some control and have some comfort from the fear that we all have. But Jesus is the only one that can remove that fear, but you have to be with them. You've got to be with them. So, we've said for about a year now, we feel the Lord calling us to be a what kind of culture? Say it loud. Discipleship. A discipleship culture. So we've been talking about this blank piece of paper and what God wants to put on that. And one of the first things is discipleship. It's my fancy slide there. You like that? Sorry. I appreciate the encouragement, even though like I asked you to clap for it. Um, is discipleship. And what I mean by that is this. If someone were to come up on the street to me and say, what is the call of Bridgewood? And I wasn't trying to put it in any fancy words, any fancy anything. I would say to equip and to send. That's what I would tell them. Equip and send. When I say equip, I don't mean this mechanical kind of thing, just give people the right tools, but a deep relational understanding of the heart of God and training ourselves to live in the decision to follow him. So we are called to equip people to live in the decision to believe in him. So we have a lot of churches out there, and these are good things. A lot of churches that focus on, on the lost, which we need to, but the, lo- the word lost doesn't mean just people that don't know Jesus. P- people have be- believe in Jesus that have not spent a lot of time with them. And to me, that would say there's a sense of loss there, right? So you've got people, you've got churches out there that lead a lot of people to Jesus, but as a church as a whole, whole, universally. We've not been very good at leading them from the decision to believe in Jesus to equipping them to know him and follow him. And so it's, it's kind of like if, if my daughter Gracie were in here and I'm like, well, she's walking and she's going, she can't distinguish between dog food and real food. She's pretty ready. All right, pack your bag, sweetie. Go live life. Here are a couple of pointers. You know, don't go to bed angry. Da, 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 da. Now go live life. We do that as a church, believe it or not, as a whole. We do that. We say, this is what you need. This is Jesus. He loves you. He did this for you. Believe in him. All right, I believe in him. But now what? Because it's a whole new life, right? I mean, you all know that, that, that believe in Jesus. It's a whole new life. Because now you're living in the presence of an uncreated God who works in ways that are unnatural to us. Our natural instincts don't work when the Holy Spirit wants to fill us up. You know, we can't live in fear anymore. We have to trust him. What? You know, self-preservation. No, God, you walk with him and in him, he will protect you. Really? I give him control. You see what I'm saying? So discipleship is us training and equipping people to live in the decision to believe in Jesus. So now they can be equipped to know his heart, to learn to pray, learn to see what he sees, go where he goes, with him, 
That's a call we have here. It's evident. When I look and have conversation with the people around here, this is a church family that is ready for this, whether we think so or not. God has given us everything we need for life in Him. That's what Scripture says. So we are to be a discipleship culture. Secondly, here we go, Steve. Prayer. Bam. Look at that. I even got the thing to move. Actually, Matt did that. It's like, do you want things to move? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I can't take credit for that. Prayer. This is huge. Prayer. Prayer cannot be stuck in just a ministry. Now, or a Bible study, or a prayer session. We can't leave it there. Those things are good. I've got Tuesday night prayer. I've got this kind of prayer. That's great. But God, God calls us to be praying without ceasing. So we have to understand what prayer is. Now we see many types of prayer throughout Scripture. We see Jesus says, make all your prayers and requests known to God. So we see that requests are okay. The from mentality. But when we see Jesus, we see someone that is dialoguing with the living God. It's a two-way conversation. If I want to get to know Sharon, I have to ask Sharon what? A question. So I can get information, right? And then she doesn't know me, she's going to probably ask the same question, right? And oftentimes what we'll do is we'll ask a question and then not wait for the answer. Case in point, hey, how are you doing this morning? I'm great, how are you? Boom. That's not real, is it? We're not really listening. We're not really taking the time. That happens in our busy culture all the time, right? It's got you the auto response. Hey, doing great? Boom. I'm out of here. And it works in church too, a lot. You know? But prayer is a fluid dialogue where we have to learn to listen. And so prayer can't just be a prayer ministry here, it has to be the DNA, the marrow of what goes on here. Now, we've been trying to put very specific language in what we do here. Discipleship culture is one of them. And there's two questions we ask every Sunday. What are those two questions? Or what are you saying? And what do you want me to do about it? We're asking him questions, which means now we've engaged him in prayer, in conversation. And now we are waiting for the answer. When I hear pray without ceasing, and I think of how I was taught prayer was, I'm like, that's exhausting. You know, like I have to sit here and be proactive and going, um, uh, you know, God, I pray for this person. That I'm running out of people, Lord. I don't know what else to do. Uh, I want a bike. <laughs> you know, I want this. I want it. What do I do now? You know, in Matt's case, he wants a pony, right? Is that what he said? But when you ask these two questions, you are inviting an ongoing dialogue. And that, to me, is praying without ceasing because you're asking a question, and now through the entire day, every day, you are learning to discern and hear what he's saying to you. And then when you hear, you ask more questions because we don't want to be a people that just knows about him. We want to know our king, and we have to have conversation with him if we want to know him, right? That's why we share our stories. That's why... You know, because it's like, it's a testimony to the conversations that we've had with him in one way or another. 
that speak of his goodness, of his glory, of what we know of him, not just about him, what we've seen. So we have to be a people of prayer all the time. And look at it as dialogue, not just sitting down at your table or, you know, your prayer garden or this. Those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. But it's not just task-oriented. It's a fluid conversation. We're always posturing ourselves ready to dialogue with him. Being ready. That, to me, is praying without ceasing. Being in dialogue. Being ready to go. Is that clear? Okay. Third, we have to be a people that are in community together. There it is. Man, this is going well. And I don't even need a clicker, you see that? Steve and I are in sync. Community. What do I mean by that? When you hear that word, what do you think? Go for it. It's not rhetorical. Family. Love that word. What? What? With. Yeah, with who? Each other. Okay, I love that. You're cheating. It's great. <laughs> Going ahead of me here. What else? Church, which is what? The people of God, the community of God, right? The community of believers. So I'm not talking about the outside community. We'll talk about that in a second. I'm talking about the community that happens in here. The most discouraging thing uh, for a pastor, for anyone in any kind of leadership within the church is when someone comes up to you and says, I can't connect here. I cannot tell you how that feels. And that's like, it's not because, oh, you offended me. It's because for some reason, there's not, community's not happening for you. And it's such a desire on our hearts that it's like, it's like getting punched in the gut. You know, has anyone ever led a small group or something social where you're hoping people will connect and they say they haven't connected? Has anyone ever heard that before? It's not fun. Because we know God wants us to connect with one another. We are the body of Christ. If we are not in unity with one another, in relationship with one another, we're going to have a tough time expanding the kingdom in the name of Jesus. Because I'm telling you this, you're not going to go to battle with someone you don't trust. Are you? No. No, and some of us have been hurt by the church, have been hurt by people, so we don't trust there's fear, there's all of those things, and I get that. But if we don't engage, if we don't engage that, nothing's going to change. We'll never be the community of believers God wants us to be if we do not engage with him and engage with one another and do the hard work and trust that the Lord is going to lead us through it with one another. We want to be a community here, and I like that word, Nathan, family. When people ask me about Bridget, I say, they're my church family because I trust them. And hopefully you trust me to, to at least some extent, and there's trust growing there. But um, there's a mutual trust, and so I can be safe here. I can say, hey, I'm terrible at PowerPoint. Show some grace as I butcher this thing. Right? And so we can laugh about it and have a good time about it. That doesn't happen in every church family because sometimes it can become about task and not relationship. So community is all about relationship that God desires for us. Community with one another and community with him. So we want to focus on what community looks like here for Bridgewood. Getting to know one another. Making sure when someone new comes in, we don't miss them. Making sure that when we've seen a face several times, we talk to them and make sure that we're engaging them so they don't get missed. 
And then going beyond the, hey, how are you doing? Where are you from? This or that. But really being intentional. And that's a key word there, intentional with one another. So discipleship, prayer, community. And lastly, mission. Zoom. Right? There's supposed to be a sound effect and it didn't work. So I just threw it in there. Mission. Now when I say mission, let me clarify. Because I believe the church as a whole, and this is not to be critical of them, but we've taken that word and we've diluted it to only mean a few things. And some people don't even use, some churches don't even use the word mission because it's got such a, a you know, stigma to it. Because we've narrowed it down to meaning just this or this or that. But I'm intentionally wanting to use the word mission so that we can redefine it for us. And this, when I hear mission in Scripture, when I see mission, it's responding to God's call. Period. Mission is responding to God's call. Does that make sense? So where he calls, we what? We go. And we'd probably call that a mission. But we go. And God's call is anywhere and everywhere. It's not just overseas. It's not just in the community. It's not just at work. It's all of those places. And first and foremost, he's calling us to be do mission here in this community because God put a vision, put a burden, put a passion in Tom and Susan Stewart to plant this church here to have an effect and a presence in this community so people will not just know the name of Jesus, they would have to learn how to live with Jesus. So we have to be about the community around us. And then we have to be aware about the needs wherever God calls us, beyond this community, whether that be in Cabo or Indonesia or Canada or Mexico, wherever. Cabo's in Mexico, so I said that twice. But wherever, we have to be about where God calls. That's what... That's what we mean when we say we have to focus on mission. And that means we have to be in conversation with him, right? We have to listen to him because if he calls, we have to hear the call and then we have to respond to it, right? So that being said, these four things cannot be separated from one another. We can't be just about people and not about mission and the call. We can't be about discipleship and not be about prayer. All of them come together because that's the result of being with Jesus. And you can't, we cannot do this without being with Jesus. Do we have that last slide? This is, this is like where he comes out with a guitar. Being with Jesus. He really doesn't. So if you're thinking, oh, he's coming out. He's not. We cannot do it without him. And we cannot do it by just doing it for him. He doesn't need you to do it for him. He wants you to do it with him. I mean, everything that we've been created for was to be in communion with him. Everything. Every single thing. And we've all postured our lives in many different ways that were not necessarily with Jesus. When I was a kid, um, my dad did something that, um, when we were young, that I always look forward to because I was a kid filled with a lot of fear. And I don't know if any of you or your childhoods are like that, but 
you know, I, I just felt fearful a lot because I got picked on for being a pastor's kid in a really rich town, and it was like we were considered extremely poor. I lived in La Jolla, California, so it's a totally different mentality there. And one thing he did when we were really young is he would just, at night, he would just lay next to us. He'd read to us and just lay there. And I cannot tell you, just being with him, just right next to him, how safe that made me feel. How free that made me feel, feel from fear, from burdens. It was just being with him. He could give me a hundred different gifts, a thousand different things, but it would not compare to the moment of just being with my dad. And some of us don't have great relationships with our parents, and, and I understand that. But think about someone you felt safe with and what that means. The being with them is almost like in that sense of security and that sense of joy and that sense of freedom is greater than anything man can give you. Now, put that with the king of the universe. When we're with him, we are not afraid because we're walking in power and authority and love and grace. And our eternity is secure our now is secure no matter what that looks like because we are with him. We're with him. When we look in Matthew 19, we see the story of the rich young ruler. And, and I, I, I may have mentioned this earlier already. If not, the two services are blending together in my head, so I apologize. And here, the rich young ruler is asking Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus tells him, you know, these commands. And he says, oh, I've done all those. But he says, there's one thing you're, you lack. So get rid of all these things and, and come follow me. Sell your possessions. Give, give it to the poor. Come follow me for your treasure. It's the word he is. Treasure is stored up in heaven, not here. Don't store up the things here. Store them up in heaven. So we ask the question. All these things God's calling us to, why do we do them? Why? And, uh, you know, Scripture talks about all these treasures. There's mansions in heaven, right? Um, streets of gold. A banqueting table. Who's heard some of this stuff in, or read some of this stuff in Scripture, right? So when you get to heaven, you're experiencing this great divine holy party, right? Who's excited about that? Anybody other than me, right? But see, this is, this is the issue. If you look closely into the context of Scripture, when treasure is used, the real meaning of it, the real meaning of it is everything that is encompassed in Jesus Christ. And what we do is we say to ourselves, through Jesus, I get this, right? He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. And oftentimes we say, all those treasures, all those things, no more this, no more that, but this and this and this. But what we don't really pay attention to is that he is our treasure. He's what you get. It's not streets of gold. It's not all of this. It's him. And I've lived so much of my life going, Lord, you're the way to get to those things, but he is my treasure. He is the one I do all this, not for, but with. And if we don't get that, we're in trouble. We're going to be disappointed because there's nothing greater than him. And guess what? Those of you that call him Lord, you already have your treasure. Heaven is getting to spend eternity with that treasure, with who he is. I hope that excites you. I hope that gives you 
a different perception of what we need to be, how we need to be posturing ourselves. Our call here at Bridgewood is introduce people to that treasure and how to live with it. That's a great call to me. Anybody? Is there a greater call? I know people have asked, what is, what is the vision here? What is the vision of Bridgewood now? I don't think there's a greater one than, than partnering with Jesus, with each other, advancing the kingdom. Is there a greater one than that? I don't know. I don't know. So as we move forward, these are the four things, and we can put them back up on the screen. These are the four things. Can you see that? Oh, there we go. The screen here is different. Discipleship, prayer, community, and mission, but not on their own, not for God, but with Him. With Him. Because I tell you this, if we try to do it without Him, it's not going to work. It's really not. Does this make sense? Yeah? Are you with me here? This takes practice. That's not going to happen overnight. That's why in this series, why this series is called Buy In. Because if you're not buying in with who he is and what he wants to do in and through your life, we're not going to really have a shot at this. But if we're all in, we can do this. And we can do this with each other because we're with him. How many are in? Are you in? I hope you're in, and I'm not trying to force your hand, but we got to do this together. And we will see Jesus do some things. We're already seeing him do things. It's just remarkable and crazy. I mean, Sharon's here. I mean, that shouldn't have happened, but it did. And I'll be honest, because we walked as a leadership team, as a church, with Jesus through that. And we're trusting him. So when we, we're with him, when we posture ourselves with him, whew, mountains are just little bumps in the road that we can take because we're with him. And we're always, if we're with him, we're always in victory. Because Jesus says, abide with me and I with you and you will bear great fruit, much fruit. Apart from me, you can what? Do nothing. What's the, 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 what is the opposite of being apart from him? being with them. Yeah. All right. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you give us an understanding of who you are because you say to us, all the fullness, all your fullness was pleased to dwell in Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, we get a picture of who you are, a clear picture. And because we have a clear picture of who you are, we can posture ourselves to be with you without fear, but with full trust. Man, God, you just speak the right word at the right time into our hearts. Things that are important for us to not just know, but to understand and live out. And being with you, being with our treasure is the greatest destiny. It is the greatest uh, life we could possibly imagine, no matter the challenges. And some of us, for a long time, I know I have, Lord, posture ourselves um, differently 
But whatever, however we posture ourselves before, Lord, we want to posture ourselves now in, in such a way that we are with you and we're with each other. And so we got to trust you. And so I pray as we take our tithes and offerings that we would understand that. We would understand that. That no matter what our financial situations, our relational situations, our work situations, our school situations, no matter where they stand, where they stand, we can always trust you because you are with us. And we are with you. And so I pray that whatever it is we need to surrender, whatever we need to give to you that you're calling us to give to you, as that plate passes us, may we put in that plate not just the money, but the things, spiritually speaking, Lord, that we need to give over to you that has robbed us, has robbed us of posturing ourselves to be with you. For a lot of us, that's money. I know it hasn't been in my life. But may we truly understand that if it's a money thing, issue, it's not an issue with you. When we trust you and we're with you, you're going to have your way. So bless these tithes and offerings we bring to you. We pray that they would uh, um, seed into your kingdom for your glory. And I pray as we, uh, as we continue in worship, that we would worship with a reckless abandon, that we would allow ourselves to just be free in you. Because worship is about adoring you. Not what we can get from you, but adoring you because you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. So Lord, we just ask that today you would have your way this morning as we close in our time, but it would only motivate us and push us and drive us to pursue you, to know you better, to be with you. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.